You know, the calling of Jesus is an exciting journey. It should be, right? It should be an exciting journey. The calling of God in our lives should be something that we pursue and desire. But it oftentimes uh, doesn't always feel like it's a a concert setting. How many ever been in a concert that was so lively that when you walked out, you were like, wow, like I've never been to such a lively concert, right? And then everything else the rest of the day seems very low key because you were at this high point, right? I think sometimes people think that the Christian walk should be like this constant concert, like this constant array of like the the power of God in every single moment. And it doesn't always feel that way, does it? Sometimes it's the, the everyday life kind of stuff happening and then you have these sporadic things. But can I tell you something? I believe God has marked you to do great things. I think the most of the time we look at this journey and we kind of play it down because we don't expect God to do anything. We don't expect God to do powerful things. So we just, we're okay with the mundane. And I believe that we're supposed to live more, but I don't believe that every single moment it's going to feel like a concert. Every single moment is not going to feel like a rock concert or some sort of high energy moment because true biblical Christianity is consistent Christianity, yes? Are you with me? So sometimes Jesus calls us to follow him in the ordinary situations of life. And what he does is when you begin to implement the practice of living godly, those ordinary moments can turn extraordinary like that. When you start realizing that any moment of obedience could change everything. There are times in your life that you have felt like, man, there's no way. There's no way that God can work in this situation. How many of you have felt like that before? You look at your situation and go, there's no way God could do anything here. Right? And there's no way that God could do anything with that situation. Or, or, or this marriage. Or that financial status. Or you, may, you can name it. Name it whatever you want. There's no way God can work with that. But I, I, I implore you this morning as we enter this fourth part of the series, Mark, I believe that there's something that happens when a people say, I'm marked by God so that at any given time, when he calls, I answer. Now watch this. Uh, recently, we got, we got a little puppy, and he went from little puppy to puppy. <laughs> he's seven months old. Now he's a small gorilla. A bear, yes, more like a bear. A puffy teddy bear that got big real fast, right? I remember when we were unwrapping um, his, his, uh, his obedience training collar. It has three settings. Follow me now. It has a beep. Some of y'all are ahead of me, stay with me. It has a beep setting a vibrate setting, and a dear Lord, don't touch this setting. (laughs) Well, I was unwrapping it, and I put the batteries in, got it ready, and my wife had the thing in her hand. (laughs) 
And I'm looking at this going, so the instructions say that you're supposed to, and she's like, beep, okay, that's the beep, and the vibe, oh, it vibrates, that's good. But she didn't tell me she was going to press the third one. And the, th- <laughs> the third one, I almost peed my pants. I'm not going to lie. Something happened in that kitchen. Why are you laughing? It's funny till it happens to you. So that third setting, she pressed the button. Curious George over here, she just pressed the button, and then I, I literally dropped it, and I went, what was that? Like my fingers felt weird and stuff, and, and she's like, oh, I didn't know it was working yet. The other two worked. She knew that happened. It wasn't waiting to get on the dog's neck. It happened right on my hand. Shocked me. Didn't expect it. And sometimes life is like that. No matter what happens, no matter where it's at, that button is pressed, and no matter who's near it, whether it's the dog or it's the human that's supposed to put it on the dog, life can be shocking at any point in time, and you don't expect it. You have those moments? You ever had one of those moments? And it stirs you at that moment to go, what just happened? What's funny about that moment is that my wife reminded me at that very moment, remember that time? You did the same thing to me with this other thing. And I don't want to go into the story there, but I'm neither going to confirm nor deny that this was done on purpose. But that moment left a mark. Not in my hand, thank God. But it left a moment where I said, I remember that moment. A little hard to forget. And you know, there are moments in our lives that are the same where God, he foresees this and we're not always prepared to receive what is about to happen. But, but the truth is that God is very real and he wants to move in your life. And I want to share with you a story this morning as I bring a message entitled Speak Life, When Madness Meets the Master. When Madness Meets the Master. Would you allow me a moment to speak into your life? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that as I speak these words, you would allow it to bring life into every person at the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter five, turn there if you would with me. Mark chapter five, this amazing story is told about a man who encountered Jesus. And he was, in a lot of people's eyes, a madman. Mark chapter 5, is, is, it's, we read a story about Jesus encountering with the disciples, of course, as they were traveling by boat into the region called Gerasarenes. Right? So as they were gathering at Gerasene, uh, rather, the Gerasene uh, area, the Gerasene, the word Gerasene actually means those who come from pilgrimage or fight. 
The garrison, the, the word garrison actually means those who come from pilgrimage or fight. And this place was named that because there were fights happening that day. And this man that he was about to encounter had been in a lot of fights in his life. Are you getting me? He's been in a fight for his life and in his life. And so the word garrisonines was very real. How many ever felt like you were walking through garrisonines? You were walking through a fight. You were walking through this pilgrimage that you felt like it was never going to end. And Jesus was about to encounter this man who, watched this, was about to go through something that he had never went through. Watch this. Deliverance. God was about to deliver and set this man free. And what's amazing about the story, it's an amazing story, um, but as soon as Jesus got off this boat, right, he saw this demon-possessed man. And this man greeted Jesus right at his boat with the disciples. This person now, this man, lived in isolation among the tombs. Listen, when you, when you allow dead things to enter your life, you put your life among the dead things. I'm going to say that again. When you allow dead things to enter your life and take place, you feel comfortable living around dead things. You, you, when you allow darkness into your life, you're comfortable around things that are dark. So here's this man who's hanging out among the dead. He's not even dead, but he's hanging out among the dead. He's hanging out among the tombs. And so here, in, in bondage for many, many years, tormented for many, many years, he was possessed by such an incredible strength that no person could keep him in shackles. In fact, the Bible often talks about how these people that were demon-possessed had shackles around their, their wrists and legs, but they were broken shackles because they broke them because nobody could hold them. This is the kind of man that Jesus was encountering. So as we look at the story, I need you to understand the scenario because as they were looking at him, they were looking at him with these shackles on his hands and throughout the day and night he walked among the tombs. It didn't matter whether it was daytime or dark. He just walked among the tombs because that's what was familiar to him. And also, not only that, he would also cry and cut himself. That's what these people did. They would cry and cut, cut and cry what many would call self-harm today because there was such inner torment that they could not deal with what was happening outside. Can you see how Jesus was encountering someone that needed to encounter Jesus? Right at that moment, when, he, when Jesus got off this boat, he greeted Jesus, and when this man that no one could control saw Jesus, watch this, he fell at Jesus' feet. Here's a man that no man can control. Nobody can get a hold of him. Nobody can sustain him in a place. The moment he sees Jesus, what happens? He drops down and he surrenders himself at that moment. Let's look at it for a moment. Mark chapter 5. Who's with me? Mark chapter 5. Let's look right at the begin, uh, beginning of the chapter here. Let's look at uh, 
I have verses seven and following, but let's look at verse three for a moment. Can we do that? So verse three said this. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. You with me? Yes? Okay. I just want to make sure you're with me. Verse four. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. For he saw Jesus, excuse me, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Look at me, church. The enemy knows who the Lord of all is. I haven't got to verse 7 yet. Right there, that's verse 7 through 12. I haven't even got there yet. I need you to understand something before I even read any further. I need you to understand the God that we serve is bigger than anything we could ever encounter in our lives. Anything. Amen? So when we understand this, this man at the Gerasarenes, he, 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 was be, he was pushing, punching, kicking, and, and, and assaulting anyone who came close to him. But when Jesus walked off that boat, and he saw Jesus. He didn't go and try and fight Jesus. He didn't fight him. He fell him. He fell to his knees. And at that moment, surrendering to Jesus. Watch this. Let me, let me, let's read a little bit more. He shouted. Now we get to verse 7. And he shouted at the top of his voice. My translation up on the screen says, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now, I want to go into this a little bit, but I want to say this. He goes on to say, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Now, all of a sudden, it's no longer the man speaking. You realize this? It's no longer the man speaking. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. How many know he wasn't talking to the man anymore? He was talking to the madness inside of the man. When madness meets the master. When madness meets the master. So what happens? He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out to the country. And in fact, what he said is, now there's a great herd of pigs that were feeding on the hillside. And he begged them, saying, send us to the pigs and let us enter them, because they would rather be in pigs than in hell, where they belong. Now, I need you to understand something. The demonic is real. As real as the angelic is real. Some of you listening here, some of you watching online, some of you in this room right now, some of you don't believe in demonic or dark things, but let me tell you, as real as the seat you're sitting in, there are demonic things that would love for you to believe and continue to believe that they don't exist. They would love for you to just be ignorant and say, yeah, sure, we don't exist. Right? Just look over there. Pay attention over there. Don't pay attention to us. We don't exist. That's exactly what the enemy would want you to do. 
Here, believe in UFOs. We don't want you to look at whatever else is happening around the world. Look at UFOs, everybody. Look at the UFOs. We don't want you to look at what's happening in our world right now, so let's look up to the sky at something else. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. Look at your life right now and look at everything happening around you. Don't get distracted. Pray and believe. What I'm trying to tell you here today, friends, is this. When that man saw Jesus, he wasn't the only one to see Jesus. So did the legion. And that legion realized who their authority was. That authority was Jesus Christ alone. Come on, I got one amen. I'm aiming for six. Come on. There's a number of important things that has to happen here. You have to understand something. We can learn from this powerful story of Jesus just beginning to speak into lives. Listen, we need to learn how to speak into our friends, speak into our family, speak into our neighbor's lives with boldness. Because why? You are marked. Come on, say this with me. I am marked. And it doesn't take a shock collar to tell you that. You are marked and called by the Savior. Come on, somebody. We learned that no case is too helpless for Jesus. If a man who was hell-bound, God-forsaken, and a total menace to society can, can have this d- demon, uh, a demon legion of demons in his body, and Jesus speak to him, and him be instantly delivered, I believe that God can do something in this room. God could do something in your life. God could do something in your marriage. God could do something in your finances. God could do something that is far beyond anything you ever imagined. Come on, I tend to believe that. And if you don't believe it, allow me to believe it for you. Allow me to help you to believe that you are greater than the darkness that is around you. Some of your your friends or colleagues or people that you go to school with, you say, why is God blessing them? How many of you ever felt like, why is God blessing them and not me? Anybody ever felt like that? I've felt like that many a times. And I'm like, they don't even serve you. They don't even love you. They don't even know you. And they're like, they're getting promotions and nice cars and all these things. And I'm going, I'm over here just trying to scrap to make it this week, make sure I get that, keep the lights on. You ever been, you ever felt like that? I I felt like that. Very real. But here's what I understand. I understand that everything in this world will pass away. But the true thing that matters is who is my Lord and who is my savior. And I know that I'm marked, that no matter what happens in this world, when everything is passed away, Jesus Christ is the only thing that matters in my life. So I can get through that. So not only that, Jesus then turns around and speaks into his life, cast these demons out. Now watch this. Not only did Jesus speak into his life and set him free, he, he just created an instant missionary instant missionary calling right there he didn't go to school he didn't go to language school none of that you know why because his testimony was his mission he's gonna take his testimony he was a slave now he is free he was possessed now he's obsessed with God he understands that there's a maker that loves him so much more. And after the demons departed from the man, they entered a herd of pigs nearby. The demons that made the pigs run down the hill into the sea where they drowned. I mean, the darkness kills anything it's near. 
Did you notice that that, those same, that same spirit that was in the man didn't make the man go over the hill? But the moment it went into pigs, it drove the pigs over the hill? Why? Why? Why did the man not die already? He had been possessed for a long time. Why didn't, why didn't the legion go over the cliff with the man? And now all of a sudden, now that they're in pigs, they're over the, they went over the hill and drowned. You ever thought about that? Can I tell you one thing that I honestly believe? Because God had a plan for that man. And God's plan always blocks the plans of the enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Because it'd be very easy to go, why, why all of a sudden did they go over the cliff? But this man who possessed for so many years didn't. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knew exactly what he was doing in guarding this man until Jesus could come and set him free. Listen, hold on. Whatever it is you're going through, just hold on. Because you, you may feel like you're, being, you're forsaken or you're left, but the Holy Spirit's got a block, block for you. Come on, somebody. He's got a block for you. I never forget one time, and this story just came to my mind, and this is off the cuff. It's not even my notes. This is a freebie. You're welcome. So I remember one time I was playing with my, uh, my old church. We were playing flag football. And of course, people looked at me. They think, that guy, we need to pick him number one on our team, right? That laughter came real fast, Legion. <laughs> okay, so I'm not built like football-like, right? I'm more for basketball. But I'm still laughing. This is not right. Okay, I'll just skip that. Anyway, I love to play football. Let's just leave it there, right? So I, I, I was playing with my guys there at the church. I was a youth pastor at the time, and we had our flags on and stuff. And I remember playing with this guy named Scott. You remember Scott, Lisha? Scott was, uh, uh, let's just say he was aggressive. But I'm really glad Scott was on my team. How many ever had an aggressive person and you're like, I'm really glad I know you and you're friends with me and you're on my team, right? You ever had somebody like that? Well, that was Scott. Scott was a, uh, he played um, rugby. He was really a rugby player and that's like super aggressive, right? Um, it's where aggression uh, goes to get aggressive. And so, so he's, he used to play a lot of rugby, and, and uh, there was a couple times, and one thing I, I, I had when I was uh, that age, uh, I was in my early 20s at the time, one thing I did have was speed. Like, you could hit me, and you could hurt me, but you got to catch me, right? And so that's the thing. So they got me on the team, and they're like, you know, here, we're going to hand off this way, and we're just going to lead block and just run and get some, you know, and so that was me. I loved it. There was a play coming down toward the end of the game, and Scott looked at me. He said, Pastor Tony... Hispanic hurricane, look at me. He called me, he called me. That's what he called me, the Hispanic hurricane. He said, look at me. I said, yes, Scott, because I listened to him when he talked. I said, yes, Scott. He goes, you run. You grab my shirt. And I promise you, anybody that's in front of me is going to hit the ground. And you're going to run in for the touchdown. Whatever you do, Listen to me. Here's what he said. Whatever you do, do not let go of my shirt because I'm going to pummel anybody in the path. And I said, 10-4. Roger that. So the guy said, hike. And I remember getting, receiving the ball. And I remember identifying the ball. And then I said to myself, where is Scott? 
I reached out and Scott was to my right and I never forget this. I ran up as quick as I can. Now I was faster than Scott, but that's it. After that, Scott wins everything else, right? So I ran up to Scott and I grabbed the back of his shirt as tight as I grabbed anything in my life. You would have thought I was hanging from a skyscraper because the other team knew that I was going to get the ball and the other team knew that we were possibly about to score and win the game. So I reached out, grabbed his shirt. I swear I could have heard a tear of some sort, but it didn't matter. I ran and I ran and I had to slow down a little bit because he was busy plumbing people, right? (laughs) Boom, he knocked the first guy. Boom, he knocked the second guy. And I'm like, dear Jesus, I don't know if this is a sin, but there's a lot of people getting hurt. Good thing we're praying tomorrow morning. I'm running for my dear life. Scott is like, wham, 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 clearing a path. And I won't let it go until I saw the end. And right there, boom, I took it, and we scored to win the game. And that was awesome. That was awesome. I could see that coming back to bite me. But the truth is I needed a lead. I needed someone to clear a path for me. Was I fast? Yes. Did I have an ability to cut and move? Yes. But I can't beat 11 people. Especially when I have the ball and they know it. (laughs) I realized I needed help and somebody needed to clear a path for me. Come on, what I need you to understand is that the Holy Spirit will fight for you. He's marked you so that you could speak life. He's lead blocker on every single time you open your mouth to share Jesus with somebody. He's the lead blocker. He's the one that's blocking. And you know he blocked for this demoniac, as they call them. They never really named him here, do they? Does anybody have a translation that named him? Because I don't. They never named him. He was just known as the demon-possessed man of the Gerasenes. Of the Gerasenes. And that was all they labeled him as. People can label you whatever they want, but when you got the lead blocker, Jesus, when you got the lead blocker, the Holy Spirit, clearing a path for you, come on, somebody, how many know that God could do something great? The pigs went over the cliff, but the man did not. God had a plan for that man, just like he has a plan for you. And so I need you to understand that with the moment he set him free, look at verse 19, and I think we have that verse Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. You know what he's saying? Tell somebody. You are marked for a purpose. You are called to share this gift for you and how he has mercy on you. I first titled this message, Find Mercy. Find Mercy. In every single life, find mercy to share Jesus with them. But I realize that it's all about the proactive of speaking life. And the Bible tells us in verse 20 that when he had went away, he began to proclaim in the capitalists how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone, listen, everyone marveled. Why? Because they knew him. When someone runs around, runs around your neighborhood with chains in their arms, chains on their legs, how many know that people come to know you? People come to know who you are, and they knew who this man was. 
Sometimes we want Jesus to call us into exciting adventures, but we won't even take a step of obedience. We want him to call us to the world for missions, but we won't even go across the street. God's purpose is always about representing him to the world. What kind of image do we represent? Because oftentimes the world knows us by what we hate rather than who we love. Come on, we got to do better than this church, amen? We got to live marked, but we got to live with purpose. So let me tell you three quick things. Number one, first, God wants us to be faithful and obedient followers of him wherever we are and whatever we do, amen? We can see that in verse 19. Jesus told the man he healed to go and tell your friends. Did God do something great in the service? Did God do something great in your life this week? Why don't you tell somebody? Why don't you not like rant on Facebook about that? Why don't you brag on God instead? Why don't you not throw out your laundry? Why don't you show the new shirt you got? Are you with me? Come on, there was a little bit of a metaphor there. Paul stated this, whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him, Colossians 3, 17. Why? Because God is looking for you to show the mark that you have in your life. Jesus showed Thomas the mark and it made him believe. Come on, that was good. Did you hear that? Jesus showed his mark to Thomas and that made him believe. Look at the scars on my hand. That made him believe. Jesus was marked. And he showed that to Thomas and made him believe. What are you marked with to help others believe? Second thought is we are to testify to others about the work of God in our lives. Yeah? We're supposed to testify the goodness. It's the difficult thing is we, don't, we feel like we never have the right words to say. How many ever felt like, I know God wants me to share his love, but I don't know what to say. I, I feel like I'm going to get jammed up. You ever felt like that? I felt like that. But you know what I, really, what I realized is that maybe I don't know every verse of the Bible. Maybe I don't know every, the reference for everything that I know. But here's what I do know. I know what he did for me. Amen. Amen. Right? I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. Yep. Some way, shape, or form, share Jesus with somebody. When was the last time you shared Jesus with somebody of notar- notable importance. Like, when's the last time you deliberately did that? I encourage you that intentional people have miracles that take place. Oftentimes, the greatest miracle happens with a little step of obedience that may seem weird. You with me? Something may seem odd, like maybe I shouldn't bother that person at that moment. But God says, talk to them. And you're like, I don't want to bother them. They don't need to hear me. And you dismiss. You walk away from the opportunity to share something. You don't even know what your words might say to somebody and how that could impact their lives. You won't know until you try it. So when you decide that you're going to live marked, you got to decide to do something on, on purpose, intentionally. So my third point is simply this. There are... Uh, The third thing is we are to let the fruit of our transformed lives be a blessing to others. You know, Jesus wanted other people who knew of the man to see how God showed him mercy. He went into the town and people knew him, right? They knew 
His life was jacked up. Come on, somebody. When you were demon-possessed, now you're, and now you're set free, God has set you free for a reason. Let me share this final thought with you as the team comes. Jesus desires that each of us would share our story because our story and our glory bring something to somebody. You say, what do you mean gory? You ever been through some things that it's going to take you time to share? How many are with me? That's what I mean. Your story could be something you went through, but sometimes your gory means I'm not ready to share that yet. You ever went through something a year ago and it took you a long time to get there? It doesn't matter what you do. If God says here, insert here, what is our job? To insert here. And so this thought came to my mind this week as I was preparing this. And it was simply this, embedded. Embedded with boldness are the ones who walk closely to the Savior. There's something that is embedded in us as believers to share what God has given us. But there's an embedded selfishness that often overrides that because of fear of somebody rejecting us, fear of it being wrong, fear of maybe that wasn't God. Maybe it was just like bad tacos last night. Like I don't even know what's happening, but I'm feeling like Maybe I should share this, but maybe I shouldn't. Here's the deal. Everything that you go through in life comes from three sources. The devil, God, or the flesh. And I promise you, the devil doesn't want you to share the gospel. And I can almost promise you that your flesh doesn't want to get out of its comfort zone. So if you feel like you're supposed to give, love, share, or give of yourself in some way, It's not your flesh or the enemy because that's not our nature. There's a good chance. Look at me. Everyone, look at me. Stop everything you're doing. Look at me. God is pro-life in your life. He's pro-speaking life. He's all about you speaking life in other people. He's always going to be for life coming out of your mouth. The enemy doesn't want life coming out of your mouth. Your flesh, if it's uncomfortable, it could be life, that's great, but if it's uncomfortable, veto. Your, your, your flesh will veto anything that's not of God. It'll try to pull back. But the Holy Spirit is always about allowing life to come out of you to help somebody else find their mark. My wife spoke a few weeks ago about on your mark, get set, you know, that, that baton kind of thing and, and, and realizing that you're on this race, to run the race. And I feel like God is saying to, this, to the church, not just this church, but the church in general, on your mark. You remember that as a kid? And she even shared that a little bit, how kids tend to do that. You'd be like, on your mark, get set. And there's always a kid that takes off, like before you even say go, right? How many have ever seen that before? 
right? She shared that. I don't want to steal her joke. It was true, it's true though. We've all done that, right? We, we did that too, you know? But kids are notorious because they're so anxious, right? They want to go. But they, they realize, on your mark, and they look down, okay, walk They go as close as they can to the spot, right? And they're like, on your mark. Why? Because there's a place you're supposed to be. And I believe that God is calling his church to be on the mark. On your mark. Because he's called you on your mark. Because he's destined you on your mark. Because he's put his spirit in you on your mark. He's put you here on your mark. He's called your family to be bigger and better than you are on your mark. Stop denying yourself on your mark. Realize where you're standing on your mark. Let the Holy Spirit work through you. Are you getting it? What a great story about victory. Someone that went through it and went through it and went through it. And I recently heard an interesting story and I'll share this final story for a moment. In 1943, a Jewish medical student named Yura Linsk and two friends stopped a train carrying 1,631 Jews from Mechelen to Auschwitz. Armed with a pistol, a wire cutter, red paper, and a light. Make it look like there was a bomb. They used to trick the train into stopping. It was at that time that the Nazi train had stopped that over 115 Jews were able to squeak off of that train. There were 1,600, 115 were able to get off. Including an 11-year-old boy named Simon. That boy Simon, he grew up, guy in the left, that was how he grew up. The guy on the right is also Simon. You know what he was doing there? During the recent pandemic, he would put his piano by the window and play for people to calm them as they were going through the pandemic in their lives right now. He wanted to bring peace to somebody else. He was one that escaped. He was one of the 115 that escaped on that train on the way to Auschwitz. Why? Because somebody was bold enough to try to stop that train even for a little while to get a few people off that train. Are you hearing me? It takes a marked, bold individual to do something like that. And because he did that, he was able to, and that's him at 89 years old there. And so we realize in, in, in the context of everything, there's a very real reality that God wants to use you to help others be marked as well. Amen? God has called you to be more. Let's pray. Father, thank you that because of you, we are always in your care. Father, thank you that we ourselves can realize that the impact that we have on people is very difficult to see in the moment of obedience. But we trust that today we are surrounded by you. Not surrounded by our pain, or our struggle. Yes, we've had it. But we realize that you are always with us. Now help us to be bold for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.